You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, June the 30th, 2022. My name is Marvin and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have no longer self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just just regular Asian American. She's free. She's a hobby Asian now, Marvin, like, you know, a hobby horse, <laughs> but like a hobby Asian. I'm happy for you. Thank you. She's free. <laughs> But are we ever truly free? No. 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 You'll learn that soon. That was such a quick answer for both of you. People, when things go down, people will still reach out to the people they know will get shit done. And unfortunately, that's you, me, people like Han. It's just. I don't know her. Who are you talking about? I don't know. She's not here. (laughs) Old Jess can't come to the phone right now because she's dead. She's going to be a useless, hot, dumb idiot. I'm so excited. Also joining us, still professional coach editor, Han Win. Hey. Hey, Han. hey. I am not free. I mean, how are... It's, okay, so since our last recording, um, you two have lost a good chunk of your rights in this country. Um, yeah, yeah it's good, good times. She's dead inside. She's been dead inside since November mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah. So, like, I can't say I'm... Su- we got a month warning. If anything, like all the other terrible, like it is worse than, you know, it's still worse than what it is. I recognize that. And then the barrage of like other terrible rulings. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, she's been ready since November 2016. I mean, it's kind of sad that we're getting used to the, I guess, systematic removals of all progress made in the last 50 years, essentially. Yeah, it's not fun. Uh, but you know, what am I? A lowly podcast <laughs> who again has less rights than a gun in this country. Like like I'm gonna need men to step up. <laughs> They're obviously not gonna listen to us lowly, like I'm not even gonna say women, just like not cis men. Like they're just not mm-hmm. gonna listen to not white cis men. So like I'm gonna need the white cis men to like step up. Yeah. Or like get a vasectomy. I did do a Google search to see, and vasectomy, um, getting tubes tied, and birth control all spiked in search um, since last Friday. So we we shall see. But, but only yeah. one of those is very easy to get, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's true. A vasectomy. <laughs> because yeah. funny thing is many, 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 many women want to get their tubes tied and they, they are turned they are turned down because they're like, oh, you're still, you know, even in their 30s, whatever, even 40s, they're like turned down. And then by the time they get to their 50s, they're like, all this time I could have had my tubes tied, still don't have children because I told you I didn't want children. Um, and, and, you know, of course, on the flip side, they're out there sterilizing, you know, um, native women. Or doing yeah. tubal allegations for them. So yeah, I'm I'm just in general just very 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 pissed and uh, depressed. And it's not been a good week, Marvin. Yeah, yeah, no. It the only slight highlight was the special guest star at the January sixth <clears throat> hearing. But I will not hold my breath. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean that good things are going to happen. But 
Yeah, that was a doozy. Anyway, it's a to- <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it is a time in history right now, and huh, well, I guess I guess we should talk about pop culture, right? Yeah, That's what we're here yeah. For. Something else on TV that was more entertaining. <laughs> If you guys want to learn more, I'm sure there's there's tons of people talking about this stuff. Um, you all know where we stand. And it's easy to wallow in despair right now. But don't let it stop you from being angry about it, too. I think the only way we can even try to change things is if we get really mad about it. And we've been really mad about it for a long time. Well, yeah, just don't just don't fall into a, like a spiral, you know. I'm hearing, I don't know if you guys hear this on the podcast, but um, every time a mosquito dies on that um, bug zapper behind you, I'm like, yeah. yes, got him. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, there are flies that got into my apartment. And I just like, I wanted to buy a uh, Venus flytrap or some sort of carnivorous oh. plant. And I still might do that, although that might also depress me. <laughs> So we'll see. I don't know if they're going to be as efficient as, you know, a bug zapper. They eat like <laughs> one every week. Maybe I need to get a whole line like of several. Them? Yeah. Yeah. Several, yeah. 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 Well, uh, hang in there, I guess. Um, <laughs> on that note, let's find out uh, what pop culture is beginning us through this um, most dire of weeks. Uh, Jess, tell me about Yaz. So hot, Margaret. <laughs> Do you guys like jazz? <laughs> what is jazz? I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I cannot answer that because I went to Jazz Fest. I have a great movie for you. It's called La La Land, where a white man <laughs> explains to you what jazz is. I'm gonna punch you through the screen right now, <laughs> so hard. Uh, but anyways, I have a lovely friend who um, invited me to the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Fest, formerly known as the Playboy Jazz Fest. But you know, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad legacy. <laughs> so they changed the name and Playboy no longer sponsors it. Um, you know, very fancy box seats. Uh, it was lovely. And again, I had I didn't really know what to expect. I don't really know what jazz is. I mean, I know like the Duke Ellington and like uh, Fat Stomino, like Charlie Bird. Like, I, you know, those are names I am aware of, may not listen to as frequently. I like dabbled in jazz band. I think I was in jazz band for one week in high school. I played saxophone. <laughs> um, so I went and I was like you know jazz I think is just not it's not you know I can't answer that question because they even had like a really <laughs> lovely Bill Withers tribute and I feel like Bill Withers is like very like listenable and I feel like jazz has a reputation for being like pretentious and like not easy listening unless you're talking about smooth jazz which is like very you know, people make fun of his like elevator music, but Corey Wong was on this uh, was on the feature. It was head this this evening was headlined by the Roots, who are fantastic. Mm. Ninety like a hundred minutes of nonstop playing, no breaks, insane. Whoa. It was it was amazing. They even did a jazz like they did a cover of "Running Up the Hill" by Kate Bush. I was like, oh, oh my god, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> it was amazing. But Corey Wong was also the set list. And I was like, oh, what? Corey, who who are you, Corey Wong? Because, you know, I was a professional Asian. So anytime I see an Asian name, I, uh, my little light bulb goes ding. Or maybe, you know, in a more racist version, like a gong sounds off. Oh, no. Um, I can hear it in my head. You know, like when, I, when, like, when like an American white American executive is giving that note, it's like, it should be a gong. So the gong goes off. <laughs> and um, yeah, he is a fantastic youngish guitar player so fun 
amazing music. I like Wikipedia him. He like plays a lot with like Wolfpack and he has like a whole album with John Batiste. Uh, just really, really fun, poppy music. The best I could describe him is like I was trying to tell people is like he seems like the Griffin of jazz. Uh, Griffin, the EDM DJ, he makes like very easy, like he makes like more pop leading Access mainstream accessible like EDM. It's like not like hard heavy like deep stuff, and like Corey Wong makes really fun like very funky jazz guitar based music. But the thing is like everything's instrumental, so I could not tell you the name of a single song. Uh, <laughs> I just like went to his Spotify list and just started playing stuff from his like playlist and his albums. I'm like I really like this, so. If you think you don't like jazz, I think you have a certain idea, maybe an outdated idea of what jazz is. Check out Corey Wong. It's a good time, you know, on the background as you're cooking and you could dance a little bit as you're cleaning, dance a little bit. Re- really fun. And he is like, you know, like cute as a muffin, this like little like hopper, like <laughs> Asian kid from Poughkeepsie. He's not a kid. He's like 40, but like, you know, he looks very young. So. <laughs> Would recommend. Yeah. Was he wearing a striped shirt? Yes, he was. <laughs> Wait, how'd you know, huh? It's kind of his uniform. So it was cute. Uh, like on his whole band, we were wearing like the same outfits. And you know, I love a good outfit like theme, mm-hmm. like that effort. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I actually do like jazz, and I think uh, live jazz is special. So yeah, I think. Um, Jazz is probably meant to be listened to live because that's when you can get the full like mm-hmm. jazziness of it. Because a big part of jazz is the improv, like the solos. And you know, I solos also played yeah. in jazz band in high school, but oh, I played the trombone, you? so I was mainly oh. mainly playing the bass lines for most of the songs. Oh, we love a bass line though; they're uh, so fun. But I think with jazz, like there are some jazz standards that I like listening to when I'm like chilling. But it's not something I actively seek out. But if it's there, I'll listen to it because I think. Um, <laughs> I, so I've never actually seen a La La Land, but um, I'm, I'm You'll sure. You'll have to. <laughs> it was so funny because like the whole, like there's a whole premise of La La Land that like Ryan Gosling's character feels like he's sold out because he joins like this popular band <laughs> that's headed by John Legend. Yeah. Like played by John Legend in the movie. And like, I think John Legend in real life wrote the songs for this fake band. And like, it's really good. It's endlessly more listenable and enjoyable than like, like, like what he's brooding, like wants to play. I was like, you would be so lucky to be invited <laughs> to play with John Legend's band, sir. Yeah. I mean, jazz in general is like fundamentally part of like a lot of like, you know, blues comes from it. Rock comes from it. Like, yeah. So, and it's like a very, Amer- I mean, it's, it is like one of the true, like, Originated from like the United States of America art form. Let's be fair, let's black be real, America. Like, <laughs> yeah. Black America. I mean, they mentioned everything, let's be real. But like, you know, like it's, it is something like, you know, <laughs> as we hold on to the shred of like what we can be proud of in this country. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, like black Americans invented jazz. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and now like jazz is so like, well beloved like across multiple demographics let me tell you no one goes harder at a jazz fest than a middle-aged white man (laughs) they were vibing wow vibing so hard um and it was just lovely like you know like you're outside it's the hollywood bowl you have wine you're eating dinner you know it's you're with your friends like everyone's just chill great time amazing 
All right, Han, what's popping with you? Uh, so I decided to check out this movie, uh, which I only saw the the poster of it, and I was like, I'm curious. Uh, it, it is called. It's called. Um, it's on Hulu. It's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, um, and it stars. Let me get the other guy's name. Hold on. Uh, it's basically a two-hander. It stars Emma Thompson and a guy named Daryl McCormack, who he's an Irish actor. Um, so the premise is is that Emma, who's who's uh, I think her character name is Nancy, she hires this escort. So his name is Leo Grand, and he's like in his twenties, maybe maybe older twenties, younger thirties. Anyway, he's a fresh faced you know, like hot guy with a good body and he's an escort. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a sex worker and she is in her sixties and her husband has died and she's never had good sex. And so, um, but she's also an uptight bridge lady. So very accurate. Right. And, um, when I talk, say it's like a two hander, it is, it goes over their various meetings in the hotel room that she hires. Um, Sorry, hires. I'm one of my British. That, <laughs> um, and uh, just, and then you're but, just trying your inner Emma Thompson, really. You know? Yeah, but no accents. I'm not going to do that. Um, so a lot of it, of course, is conversation. Um, but we do get skin. We do get sex eventually because, of course, she is like untutored in the ways of the arts, uh, sexual arts, and it's just fascinating. I I did. Because it's a two-hander, it does feel like a play. Maybe it is a play based on a play. I was looking at it. It is written by and directed by a woman. And I found it just fascinating and, you know, funny at times, but also fairly, like, I think very insightful about, like, the ways people think, um, especially women uh, who don't know anything about sex. Uh, you know, like, basically our moms or whoever it is. <laughs> um Grandmas, I don't know how old you want to go there, but yeah. And um, we do get nudity, and that includes Emma Thompson nudity. So good for you, British people who are always getting nude. Um, <laughs> but I, I recommend it. I think it's it's just an interesting watch, um, depending on your, your, your mileage may vary when it comes to if you want to watch it with a family member. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you do you, but yeah, I, I think it's worth watching. Jess, is this something you would watch with uh with a mama? Yeah, why not? That sounds like a hoot. <laughs> yeah, I think you could have good conversations there. Uh, my mom would not. My mom does not like. <laughs> my mom does not even want to read about sex in books. So yeah, much less watch it with a family member or child. So <laughs> maybe it's because she's one of those people who can't imagine scenes. You know how some people can can't picture scenes when they read books. No, no, no. She doesn't like it. <laughs> she she doesn't like anything sexy. Like when I recommend her movies, they are purely G or PG and, you know, that variety. So. Oh. Yeah. And so books, I read them first just to check for the sex. Um, if, if it's like a fantasy novel or something like that, then I check for the sex first. Um, wow. That bug zapper is real going. I don't want to go into detail, but it's really gruesome behind me. So <laughs> I would have to empty it. Oh, God. I love it. So it's so satisfying. I, I, I'm surprised you don't have one of those like 
tennis rackets that are like have the bug zappers that you just swat around. I like those. The only thing and and maybe I'll do that for outside because the mosquitoes eat me up. Um, but I think having it inside would mean that I'm just going to have these carcasses everywhere. Um, so I'd rather just have them confined to a thing. But maybe I'll I'll get some. We'll try them out. This is the, this is the summer to like kill bugs. So. A smart hunter sets traps. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I was going to. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was uh, thinking about, like, what sort of right, rotten fruit can I put right outside my door and lure them all <laughs> lure them all out? Um, because I don't know why they're in here. I, like, did they somehow get in my window or something? Do you have a garbage I disposal? I don't. That's the funny thing. Um, but do you, do you have a sink, I do though? Have, I do have a sink. Oh, you, that's a good point. They say pour boiling water down your sink every few weeks. Um, larva. They are definitely coming from somewhere. So, um, because my former, uh, not roommate, um, duplex neighbor, she had this problem last year and she kept like, they keep somehow coming in my window. I'm like, I don't think they're coming in. You know, like, the call's uh, coming from inside the they're house. Just, they're just living there. They've, they've yeah. settled in. They've had generations. Um, yeah. <laughs> Grandma moved they've here. They've colonized from- your kitchen. <laughs> this makes me feel really great. So. There's like a there's like a whole fly diaspora. They're yeah. talking they've about been here the for like intergenerational. 10 generations, you yeah, know? yeah. They're fighting with the flies that just moved in. You know, like it's it's real. It's really nuanced. Anyway. They're, they're making movies about <laughs> representation of you know diaspora <laughs> flies. <laughs> This is what what I get for like driving away the possums because possums eat everything. So I need them. Would to you eat rather have a possum? I know, like the squirrels and raccoons and possums that used to invade your house. Would you rather have those back? I feel like yes, than like yes. constant bugs. I, I actually like possums quite a bit. I think bit. possums are hella cute. Yeah, I just didn't like them pooping in my yard, um, and that was also becoming a problem because we I got a neighbor with kids. And so they wanted to use the yard. But if there's like poop everywhere, they were blaming my cats. And I was like, that's not cat poop. And they're like, how do you know? I was like, first of all, I know what my cat's poop looks like. Hello. Um, but then also they don't poop that much. They were It was like filling the yard. <laughs> and it's like they go in their litter. They're not going to go outside anyway. So I had to uh, I had to drive away the possums because my cats kept getting blamed. Anyway, so what were we talking <laughs> so about? <rude>. Now? <laughs> justice for cats. That's what we're talking about. So justice what, for Han's cats. <laughs> yeah, justice for my cats. Uh, so Marvin, what's popping with you? Um, I've been watching the new Iron Chef. Uh, we were supposed to talk about this this week, but then um, we remembered that, oh, it's the end of the month, so we have to talk about news. But um, I did want to bring it up because it is what's popping. Um, I think I watched four episodes of the eight episode season so far. Um, I don't know if you two have seen it yet. But yeah, Iron Chef, um, the classic, I guess, it started as a Japanese show. Yes. It got adapted into American version that failed at first until Food Network took it and made it successful. Um, and this is the, I guess, it's not exactly a reboot. It's like a new version of that Food Network show. Um, Can I and- tell you, though, that when I learned that Mark, the Costco's, the chairman of the American Iron Chef, was not actually the chairman's nephew... Right. Were you, it was a lie. Was it top ten anime betrayal. Top ten anime betrayal. Make the AMV now, Marvin. I was just, <laughs> just. That's like when I learned that. Like, I think that's really how I learned. Like, people lie. Um, it was really sad. They lie really on tele- Yeah, they lie on television. Yeah, it was. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it was really rude. 
Because I was like, oh, he looks familiar. But I thought like, oh, like it also makes sense that like the chairman's nephew is an actor in like Hollywood. Okay. And then like, oh, no, it was all fake. And the original chairman was so great. <laughs> so. I love that a new generation of, I guess, kids, we can call them, are discovering Mark Descascos as the chairman's nephew. Um I wonder if any of them recognize him because Mark DeCascos is one of those character actors who's always plays that guy in that Kung Fu show. He's that guy. He's our Asian that guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But man, he is living it up. And I am so glad that we have additional clips to add to that supercut of the chairman introducing secret ingredients that's on YouTube. (laughs) I don't think we've seen this. No, you have to share it. I haven't seen it. Uh, There's a video. There's every single scene of the chairman introducing like ingredients from the the 13 season run of um, iron chef america and now we have additional things to add um but yeah um all your favorites are back martha casco's as the chairman at first i was kind of worried that he wasn't going to be there but of course they're gonna bring him back he's back he's got a freshly shaved head and just not even just eating scenery not even just chewing scenery he's like devouring it like (laughs) well he's very good at that right like but that's kind of like the one requirement you need to be a chairman. Like you have to be able to take a very great dramatic bite from a fruit or vegetable. You have to, yeah, you have to really sell it and, <laughs> and, and just be like so happy to see them perform that shtick um, instead of saying like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> There's a great um, bit at the end of, I think it was episode one of the episodes where, and so, okay. So, it's a limited series, eight episodes. Um, each episode is a different challenge. Um, they kind of switch things up a little bit from the original Iron Chef. So, so instead of like being it being episode by episode, it's actually it's a greater competition where the sh- chef who gets the highest score gets to compete against all five Iron Chefs in order to get like the title of I think it's Iron Chef Legend in this series. Um, and after every challenge, the chairman does like a promo. So I, I don't know if they recorded this on the same day. No, they didn't because Kristen Kish keeps changing her suits. Unless I mean, she can change her outfit. Yeah, she can change her suits. They film like a week of Jeopardy in a day, Marvin. That's true. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's this one scene where um, he dramatically takes a bite out of a pepper, and he goes, "The chairman needs water." <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah, all your favorites are back. Um, Martha Caskos as chairman. Alton Brown is back as host, but this time co-hosting with him is Kristen Kish of Top Chef fame. And I got to say, she is um, her. She brings a really great energy that pairs well with Alton Brown's kind of like assholeness. Yeah. And like kind of old man dad energy now because he's kind yeah. of just over it. And on one hand, I did appreciate that he's still like that smart guy. Mm-hmm. Who, ta- who knows? But we facts. know too much now. Remember yeah. his like mental, like his his like internet meltdown at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. But now we also know that he's like hardcore Republican. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Not into it. it. And I loved Good Eats. I was like the biggest like Netflix. Oh, totally. Like, Good Eats taught me how to cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worshipped. At, yeah. It's an information based approach to cooking, and so you're getting the actual lowdown. So it's great, but yeah, and, but then, and like had, you, you believe all the science about food, but like you don't believe in vaccines. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of wish if they do continue on, just like just give it to Kristen next time. Just she's all we need, really. Um, but I did appreciate. You know, watching Top Chef and watching other food shows, like the reason we, we love Top Chef is, is because it's even with like the dramatization, it's mostly about the cooking 
and Iron Chef has always been about the cooking, right? You get in the nitty gritty of what are you, what are they doing? Everyone's kind of improving at the same time, um, and that energy is still here. So it's 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 been a great watch. I don't know if you have any of you started watching this yet. No, I haven't. Um, I so here's the thing: when it comes to food shows, I actually have to eat while I watch, and so because <laughs> Immerse, I immersion, right? Right. No, I mean I get too distracted if I'm watching something that has good food and I'm not eating. So even if I'm tricking myself and eating something totally different, that's still good enough. So I I always have to like, you know, uh, time it out right. And I so that means I can't just like binge a food show. Um, <laughs> I can sort of do that a little bit with Bake Off because I don't care for baked goods and sweets as much. But then, you know, every now and then they do something savory and I'm just like, oh, I want that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I will because it will be a nice show to have on in the background, I think. But yeah, I'm still gonna have to eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a whole, a whole new cast of Iron Chefs. Um, they have more women chefs this time, so it's not just Kat Cora. And you know, their their one white dude is Curtis Stone, who is you know Australian oh. and um used to be my partner's like chef crush, but he's kind of kind of like dadded out a little bit recently. Yeah, yeah. Is he married to an Asian woman? Is he? Uh, I mean, if he's Australian, let's see. Yeah. Oh, he's married to Lindsay Price. Oh, her, yeah, she's who's, yes, yeah. But yeah, I'm having a ton of fun watching it, and so far, um, as of episode four, there's been a ton of really good Go Asian moments that have been really great as well. Oh, I'm gonna have to catch up. <laughs> uh, cool. I'm no, I'm excited. I mainly, really, also just want to see Kristen Kish like do her thing because she's fun. Um, yeah, lots of fun. Um, episode three of the series is, is actually a challenge between teams of Iron Chefs. So it's not all mm. challengers neither. It's like they, they're having a lot of fun in the show. And if you enjoy food competitions, you know, you got to this is the granddaddy of them all. So you got to got to check it out. All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're going over the latest Asian American news and entertainment with our monthly edition of Do We Want This? Stick around. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is the end of June, which means it's time for another edition of Do We Want This? Good Pop's monthly Asian American entertainment news roundup. Uh, so, yeah, let's get started with Jess. What's our first story? So they just announced a new cast member of the American-born Chinese TV series that's being adapted and will air on Disney+. Plus. 
uh, Poppy Liu, who you may or may not remember from the too early canceled Sunnyside, um, is joining the cast as a moon goddess. Uh, and this oh. cast is already stacked. It has like Michelle Yeoh and um, Chin Han and oh, like as well as like I think the two leads are relatively unknown because they're pretty young, like they're middle school age kids. So that's always fun to get some like new fresh, you know, talent in. Uh, but I fucking love Poppy Liu. Like her and Joe Kim Booster played yeah. twins from different mothers <laughs> on the Sunny Side show from a rich. Asian father, mysterious rich Asian father, and her and Joel um, would always steal. Like the, their line readings were fantastic, so I'm really excited to the energy uh, that she'll bring to the show. And it makes me think that the show is going to be. I don't know if you guys have read the graphic novel, but I mean it's a graphic novel, right? So I hope the tone is very like irreverent and you know more Ms. Marvel than like. I don't know any other show, <laughs> but you know, and it probably will be because it's going to be showrun and executive produced by Kelvin Yu, who has a uh, you know well-known writer from Bob's Burgers, which is yeah. a show I love. Um, yes, so it's all should be able to be pretty fantastic. A uh, big fan of the book, big fan of Jean Lun Yang, the MacArthur Grant winning author, and I think they're filming in SGV Monterey Park, Marvin. Because I saw a bunch of trailers. Yeah, I think um, I mentioned heard, this. They, they yeah. one of my high school friends is actually working on the production, and he's telling me that yeah, they've been recording. They've been they've been um, filming all around Rosemead, Alhambra. Yeah, I've heard smatterings that Michelle Yeoh was like in some like apartment complex that you know a friend's uncle's friend's <laughs> cousin like owned or lived in. You know, you hear it through the uh, auntie network. So yeah. they filmed at that um, dim sum restaurant on Valley, and I want to say Wanna Grove, I think. Yeah, you know what? If this brings an influx of bitches to the sixty-six, I'm gonna be so mad. Like, leave me alone. I want to buy a house here. <laughs> Stay away. Um, but I am very excited. Like, I'll be authentic. Yeah, I wonder what if what if they t- what if it takes place at Keppel? No, they don't let filming at Keppel. Mm. Keppel's also really ugly mm. and very like long that's true like it's not great to film in but if they're gonna film (laughs) in the sgv i think they need like a southern california campus right it's like i don't want a lot of indoor open sky yeah Yeah, right open courtyard (laughs) oh yeah i'm excited for this too i also read the graphic novel back in the day and i'm curious how um my friend has assured me that the visual portrayals aren't as um let's say extreme as the ones in the graphic novel which, which I think is the, a good move. All right, Han, what's our next story? So this is casting for a movie I've been kind of waiting for, which is the sequel to The Old Guard um, on Netflix. And uh, so Uma Thurman and Henry Golding are going to jo- uh, join Charlize Theron and all the rest of them um, in The Old Guard 2. Now, one of the reasons why I'm excited about it is... Uh, Gina Prince, by the way, you know, she did like Love and Basketball. Um, so this is her take on sort of that superhero series. Um, it's about like ancient centuries old warriors who are almost invincible, like they can regenerate and they are like act like mercenaries throughout the centuries. So you um, you kind of 
get to see them in their in flashbacks in their most ancient you know period and then also in current times so uh they don't reveal who, uh who Uma Thurman and Henry Golden play but my fingers are crossed that it's going to be action right so if for those of you who maybe didn't love uh snake eyes or just you know want to see henry golding do more action you know this is probably a good chance uh to do that there is also another asian uh veronica no who i was kind of excited about because despite the kind of weird treatment of her character she is based um on an ancient vietnamese warrior woman and um definitely there were my dad says that uh, Vietnam used to be a matriarchal society uh, and then there are a lot of women warriors so I don't know if that was true or not I, I keep hearing this so maybe I need to do a little bit more research but yeah so I'm hoping that there will be a lot more uh, flashbacks to ancient Asian times <laughs> um, and and definitely some uh, action scenes that could involve martial arts um, so anyway do we want this anyone <laughs> hell uh-huh. yes I fucking love the old guard yeah, and I love Gina Blyth. Uh, Gina Blythewood, like Love and Basketball is a top tier movie in my house, um, and I feel like you know it's, it'll be great to see Uma Thurman back in an action <laughs> thing, not under gross Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and it would be great to see Henry Golding land a good franchise. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Like all his, he kind of has been taking everything left and right. Um, I'm not professional Asian more, so I can say this. And I'm just like, dude, like the movies are not great. Like you in that bad yeah. guy Richie movie, like Snake Eyes, like whatever. The gentleman like, was so bad. He's um, been collecting some L's. Although a yeah, simple favor I was good. I did love w. a simple favor. Simple favor was good, but not because of him. Um, he <laughs> it was because of the suits that well, Blake Lively. Like I, holy crap! Like. And also, I don't even really like Anna Kendrick, but that movie still was interesting. So, yeah, that was a decent movie, not because of him. And I, I mean, I do. I am curious. I got a screener for Persuasion, so I will watch that oh, and see. We did not talk um, about Persuasion. Oh, let me know how that goes. The discourse on like book Twitter has been that they did not understand the assignment for Persuasion. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the deal. I, I understand where people are coming from in that Persuasion is just a totally different different type of Jane Austen style of story where yes there's a romance but it's not as quite as quippy and whatever and they kind of people are saying oh my god it's like Fleabag she's talking to the to the the screen but also the character herself is not supposed to be quite that outgoing and and whatever so but you know she's what she's sad and old and full of regret yeah but you know what <laughs> Again, I have to say, Jane Austen is not like sacred. Like, there's a, a there's a very faithful persuasion out there for whoever wants it. Um, this one is not that. So I am actually going to reread Persuasion before I watch the screener because I want to kind of like remind myself like the tone of it and then see how, it, like you know, because they did update the language a lot too. So, uh, but. Uh, you know, he is actually not the guy. He's the he's the guy who's supposed to be luring her away from her old guy. And so we'll see how tempting he is because he's very good looking. So and I, mean, and I just like... wish the other guy was more attractive. Yeah, and that's maybe I the mean, point. I mean, like Henry Golding's very attractive. You need to put up a fair fight. Maybe that's the point, though. That's the thing. It's like maybe character is. But again. I don't know if that's what you want in this type of movie because, uh, yeah, it was kind of like when we were watching, um, was it Love Hard? 
and you're like, Jimmy O. Yang, perfectly nice looking guy. But then you get Harry Shum as his brother. and You're like, that's not fair. So, yeah, it's like I'm I'm like very shallow when it comes to my role. Like, I just I can't like on principle, like you could be as charming as you want. But like on principle, like, you know, I'm like the dude like this cannot abide. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure when Harry met Sally is a wonderful, beautiful, like one of the best, if not the best rom-com ever made. Mm-hmm. I cannot abide with beautiful, cute, 24-year-old Meg Ryan falling in love with like 32-year-old schlubby yeah. Billy yeah. Crystal, aka Mike Wazowski. Like, no, sorry. Yeah, I never... <laughs> the dude cannot abide. Yeah, I never really understood that. But at the same time, I was like, well, good for her. Like, <laughs> for me, I was just like, not who I'd go for, but like... I'm happy for her. So that's the only way I could think of it. Um, but yeah, so this one, it will be very interesting. I'm going to see that. Also this week, um, M- Mr. Malcolm's List gets released. So I'm going to watch Ooh, that oh. one's fun. Yeah. You're, you're in oh your element, your, uh, your Regency era consciously casted like, element. <laughs> we, we, should, we should talk about Mr. Malcolm's List at some point because there's like an element that is like mm-hmm. not about the script, but like just, just so distracting that I was like, Okay. Oh, but like, you, but you're taking off for a while. I am. So we can talk. Like I don't know if I want to tell you. Or you I mean, it's very noticeable. Um, and of course, you know, production value isn't as high because it's like a smaller production. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're gonna do period, like, like you need a certain level, you know. And there mm. are some things I'm like, I I was not looking. I was worried about that because when I saw the trailer, I was like, this doesn't look that much higher than the the short that we saw. You know, I think the short even looks better. Yeah, I like the short. And so I was just like, oh, fuck. I don't know. if, Yeah. (laughs) And then I read the book anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the old guard, too. Uh, I'm excited. I really like the first one. Is it bad that I forgot that? Charlie Theron was the star, and I thought, "Oh, Uma Thurman is coming back as the main character." <laughs> they are of a type. You, uh, it is correct. They are very, very white actiony ladies. Um, I thought Charlize Theron was pretty good. Uh, yeah, she was great. I just but, totally yeah. forgot. I was like, "Oh yeah." And I, I like. Looking- I like Uma Thurman so much, though. I feel like in life she's gone through so much shit. <laughs> And I then, know. and then um, she's also a very compelling actress. So honestly, if they recast Charlize with Uma, I would have been fine with that too. Um, but we'll see what she's playing. I mean, yeah, I am excited. It's a very attractive cast overall. Let's let's that, be real. Like yeah. everyone is very hot in this. Like Kiki Lane is beautiful. Yeah. Um. The the two the the gay guys. Oh, hot Jafar. I don't even know what his name is. I just know him as Hot Jafar. Is hot. Yeah. Uh, even like betray French guys like pretty hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's good because if they're going to live that long, at least they can be hot, too. Yeah. <laughs> I respect that. Honestly, it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, my story is um, and this one is something that Han brought to my attention. But um, we all know that Justin Lin left the Fast X production. Right. And, you know. With that, our dreams of the final Jessalyn trilogy. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) But now we know what he's doing instead. Um, He has just been tapped by Sony Pictures to direct the adaptation of One Punch Man, um, the much-beloved manga slash anime. Um, So One Punch Man started off as a webtoon that eventually became a manga and became an anime series. And... Essentially, it's a gag series. Um, it's a parody of Shonen 
um, anime and shonen series, in case you don't know, are um, stories aimed towards young males. They usually involve heroes fighting bad guys. And in general story beats goes, you know, um, the hero meets a strong bad guy. The hero trains and then defeats the bad guy. And then a new like, stronger bad end, guy right? comes. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> and so the central conceit of One Punch Man is what if we skip the whole training arc? What if we just have a hero that's so strong he can defeat anybody with just one punch? And as the series goes, the bad guys get stronger and stronger and stronger. But the main guy is just so strong. He defeats everybody just instantly. Um, so I guess that's being made into a live action series uh, by Sony. And Justin Lin is now directing. So do we want this? Yeah, I'll take anything from Justin Lin. Yeah, I mean, while I am disappointed... <laughs> that his talents will not be going to another fast and furious movie um yeah just keep them working and this sounds fun I, i'll check it out uh, <laughs> although i'm not actually familiar with it um i've heard the name for sure um but yeah so i don't know i guess i uh the writers being attached to the adaptation is scott rosenberg and jeff pinkner um who wrote um jumanji the next level and venom um oh, so that's ooh, like i venom. had a good time with those yeah yeah so um, I think, you know, Venom, Venom is actually a lot of fun. It's like a very like I went in not expecting to become like an odd couple comedy that it did. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, tone wise, I think they got the right pieces there. Um, it'll be interesting how they, you know, um, on one hand, Justin Lin's sensibilities and his eye for action and set pieces really fit well with the core of the series. But on the other hand, whenever, whenever um, a U.S. studio adapts Japanese anime, I'm always a little worried. That's fair. I mean, we could be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I am glad Justin Lin is handling it. That means we'll probably see Sun Kang in this, right? Yeah, exactly. Please. <laughs> All right. Um, Jess, what's our next story? Okay, so if you have not heard, they we are getting a Squid Game Season 2 from the original creators. Do we want this? Yes. 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 I think it's also another yes. Yeah. I, I think, mean, undeniable. The yeah. first one took the world by storm. I'm interested to see where the story goes. Uh, I am more interested in them exploring like the societal and behind the scenes of the Squid Game. I do not want to see another season of like the competition. But that's the weird part because right. it was so I think part of what made it very successful was the competition aspect and the structure of the competition. Like it's very translatable across language and culture. But like, I don't know. Do you think the director and writer and producer, the creator, uh, Huang Donghyuk, do you think he like knows what's going to happen? He's like, fuck, I took 12 years to do this first one. Now I got like a year to do part two. He knows. Uh, yeah. Know? Okay. I think initially he did not because yeah, you're right. He was just like, I just got this done and I'm doing press for it. Why you keep asking about season two? But I think by the end of the press, uh, he definitely formulated an idea because I think one of the things he said was um, that it's going to like open up the world. So I don't know if that means we will check out global things, but there is a message from him um, on uh well netflix golden and um so r.i.p 
<laughs> yeah. So he he knows he he of course says Gihun's coming back, frontman's coming back. What I love, he says, is the man in the suit with the jockey might be back. That's what the people want, yep. Director Huang. Like, give okay. me Gong Yu in a suit, smacking my face. Yeah. <laughs> so you know he has to be back. Like he said, might be back. He's coming back. He better. Be yeah. Back. That's what gives me a little bit more confidence in that it's going to be a little bit different, right? Because like my fear is. Mm-hmm. Because it took him 12 years to make Squid Game, which means that that's a story that's been in his head for 12 years, right? Until he finally made it. Whereas season two, it doesn't sound like it was something that he's he was thinking of. And so obviously it's pressure from not only the fans, the global fans, but also Netflix. And like my big fear is that uh, whoever is exec producing will like make him do the same thing again, right? I think, no, no, here, because I think this is it. Netflix, for better or for worse, pretty much just let their creators do whatever, right? That was old Netflix that lost a lot of money. New but, Netflix is a lot true. more risk averse. Except for their biggest show. That's the thing is, I think they are fine with still throwing money at the people who are popular and do well. So, like, let's say the Duffer Brothers can probably get any money they want. Um, and so, yes, I think this Squid Game it will get all the money at once. And that's why they cut a lot of other shows that are beloved, but maybe not as popular, like Babysitter's Club. So Mm. unfortunately, you know, that's the way it goes when it comes to Netflix. But I do have some sort of faith because before this, he had only done one-off movies and every movie of his was like a unique sort of experience. Like he did comedies, he did some dramas and some really dramatic things. Um, And I did feel like despite a lot of movie writers and directors moving into TV and definitely not understanding what TV is. Uh, I'm looking at you, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, (laughs) He definitely understood what TV is because he made discrete episodes. He figured out the the arc and the tension for every episode. There were great cliffhangers. You know, the pacing was perfect. So whether or not season two gives us as good as season one, I don't necessarily know if I care. Um, I think as long as it's good TV... You know, uh, I think he will still do some interesting things. He's a very socially conscious sort of dude. So I'm just looking forward to whatever he uh, tells next. <laughs> um, because most yeah. likely, like, yeah, I mean, he he was dug down with the capitalism. So, yeah, let's yeah. go see what this is. I want to see it do, like, Westworld Season 3, which, like, was took it out of the park and into, like, the real world, right? Like, I want to see more of this world. And I want to see more of the commentary because... Yeah, because the show has always been about fuck capitalism, and I wanted to keep that, you know, keep that tone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, visually, it'll be fun. So. Yeah. All right. Han, what's our next story? Okay, so this is an interesting one. Lots of big names here. But uh, so Riverdale is coming to an end. Sorry, everybody. Um But CW is now going on to the other things in the Archie Comics World, which is a brand new property for them called Jake Chang. Um, it is being developed right now. It's the first comic is actually going to be released on July. Let's see. Hold on. Wait. So he's not actually like a classic Archie character. No, he's no, like a. Which is good because if you're talking about classic Archie, then this probably means Orientalism. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Archie is a very ancient, you know, like comic brand. So this is very good there. It's just Archie Comics today is now creating this um, so that he will make his comic debut in, uh on July 27th in something called The Mystery of the Missing Mermaid. So alliteration. Um, and uh, what I love about this is like they say above is a sketch of the character and if you look at this story go on deadline um, he looks like Corey Wong <laughs> <So>. <laughs> did you see this Jess? no hold on I'm go click on it <laughs> yeah because he got the striped shirt and he got the like okay. the the close cut hair with the floppy and the yeah anyway so uh, that's just very, the, the uniform is very much like that um, maybe he grows up to be very much like Corey Wong. Anyway, so what is the- maybe Corey Wong can write the soundtrack? Oh, that'd be amazing. Or the theme song. Yeah, and so um, here's the other thing: is co-writing, developing uh, is is Wan Lee and writer director Viet Nguyen. They had worked on uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is also another Archie comics thing that was on Netflix. Um, Daniel Day Kim uh, is going to be. His, his production producing. company oh, it's his production is, company. is involved. Yeah. So oh. uh, 3AD. Anyway, um, hold on. Let me see what else they're saying. The description sounds interesting, too. So it's um, Asian American. He's a 16-year-old private investigator uh, as he navigates the racially and socioeconomically diverse worlds of his ever-gentrifying home of Chinatown and the elite private high school he attends. Uh, show will be a blend of soapy teen drama with neo Neon noir aesthetic, all while flipping nearly every Asian stereotype, such as honor, martial arts, destiny, lineage, parental <laughs> sacrifice, on its head. Um, the actual quote from uh, Lee and Nguyen are, uh, let's see, like our rascally teen detective, we're going to lean into the FU of the original Fu Chang IP and delightfully destroy all familiar tropes and tell a unique Asian American story. So Fu Chang... Um, I was looking that up because I was like, who that is? Who that um, is another is actually an Asian like comic character from back in the day. So I'm just like, oh, is he related to like Fu Manchu? Is that the idea? I, I was wondering about that. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. Um, no, it's it was Archie Comics, Fu Chang. Uh, he was also a private detective, blah, blah, blah. And that was from the 1940s. So, you know, there's some issues there. So they very smartly were like, let's just. Do, not just do an update. We're just going to create a new character. So yes. start from scratch. He's a teenager. Um, it's all um, and apparently these characters are related. Um, so there's exciting things there. So do we want this? Yeah, yeah. We'll take another. I'll take another sexy Asian river. You know, like Riverdale world, like sexy show. Because you know they're going to like find a reason to take off his shirt. Like in like I mean, it first is five a minutes. CW show, so it's going to be yeah. very. Teen melodrama, very over top and very hot um, adults as teens, right? Yeah, yes. Riverdale and Sabrina are just like sex all over the place, you know, like even to the point where I think it was Never Have I Ever was just like, what is this Riverdale show? <laughs> it's like, uh, why is everyone having sex and they look like they're 30? <laughs> so, Wait, so we who, can use some of that. That's fine. Oh, absolutely. I, so, like, who do you think they should get to play, Jake Chang? The brilliance. The brilliance of the CW, and I will give them this, mm -hmm. is that their business model is that they cast unknowns and they make them stars. Yeah. Like every single person from a CW show, from all those teen shows that we, they're like idol icon level, 
unknowns before they had their show. Yep. They do not need to they do not need a known name. Like all the Riverdale people were not famous. Yeah. Which they're just hot. Right. And this is also why I'm happy with the creative control behind the scenes because they'll make the show like hopefully good and then so we can get the hotness in front of the camera doing the good stuff. Yeah. Um I also just uh, I am a friend of a friend with Wan Lee. Uh, she's also from Houston, Vietnamese girl. Um, so I've been following her career a while. So that's very exciting. Yeah. And Viet Nguyen's also, you know, I've heard of him through the Asian American Film Festival circuit because a few years ago, I think he he does a lot of work with um, with Kristin, right? Because um, he did direct Crush the Skull, which was a movie that came out, I think, five years ago. That's really great. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a, not neo-noir, but it's like a really fun, like horror comedy. Um, and I can see how he got Sabrina through that work, and and those vibes mesh well with also with the neo noir. And I'm very excited about um, the potential. Like we'll see when the show comes out um, how they do, but the potential of a story set in a gentrifying Chinatown because that you know shines a light on like the issues that are facing our community today, especially in Chinatowns. Yeah, just don't do that thing that other production did where they were like going to kick people out to film a pro. Good trouble, remember? They got in trouble. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they were kicked out of a homeless encampment yeah. in Little Tokyo to film a protest. Yeah, no. About <laughs> social issues. Like, That's a bad look. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm, I'm also excited about this because of all the things that they've said that it's going to be irreverent. And I think that's something that I really appreciated about Riverdale the first season because I honestly haven't watched it past like the second or third season um, but it's it was self-aware and that's how you can get away with doing sort of this heightened um, sort of tone where you can get away with like 30 year olds taking off their shirt and being in high school so um, and and then like over the top killers and sometimes musical numbers. So um, yeah, I'm I'm very curious about what this is going to be like tonally, um, and I do trust these people hopefully to be able to like poke at things but still have a sense of humor about it. The only time I ever watched the CW is for the Asian shows. Like I watched <laughs> Kung Fu, and now I guess I guess watched Jake Chang. Yeah, you got to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I formerly watched shows uh, like Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Uh, those were CW shows, too. They, I uh, yeah. C- well, CW had quite a few shows I used to watch before that, too. But like recently, like a lot of the DC Universe stuff, I only like checked out here and there. But yeah, yeah not for me. DC yeah. shows, not for me. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> or at least. DC on the CW, sorry. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this. I I can't wait for every little casting. <laughs> All right, All right. What else do we got? Our last story is um, we got some casting news for The Brother's Son, which is the um, Netflix series about a, um, a Taipei gangster who um, goes to LA to um, protect his family in the middle of a, a gang war. Um, Michelle Yeoh, who is having her it moment will be starring as uh, Mama's son, the, the matriarch of the family who built a life for her and her son in L.A. away from her past. So, um, you know, some dark history there. Um, Justin Chin stars as Charles, um, who grew up the elder son of a crime boss, groomed to be a hardened criminal. And also recurring is um friend of the community, Jenny Yang, who is making her, oh. I guess, television debut as a, a still unnamed character, I'm assuming, um, I hope she plays some sort of gang enforcer, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, you could just make all your wishes right now. <laughs> 
I like how they used um, the most gangster picture. I know Justin, just disclaimer. Um, I actually submitted him for the ABC workshop and he got in. So you're welcome, Justin. And this is, you know, it, this is all, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's the reason why he got cast in this show. But, you know, when I like I've seen Justin's other uh, headshots and they're very he's very like all American clean cut boy next door. And I'm like, oh, you definitely took this headshot for this project. <laughs> yeah, because he has like what? that's rage. I think he could do it. He's very talented. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, that's that's really funny. Like you look like a, you look like a gangster in this photo that deadline <laughs> in this deadline article. Yeah. Also starring uh, lots of Asians that some we know, some we don't. You know, June Lee, who is a comedian slash um, influencer. Um, also, uh, Rodney Toe, Madison Hugh, John Shui Zhang. Just a Asian-ass Asian production. So, do we, do we want this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. I, I mean... Anything Michelle Yeoh, first of all, uh, gets to be in, I will automatically see. But seeing how many other names there are, and it just it sounds just so exciting. I don't know. It's, yeah, an Asian-led crime drama sounds sounds yeah. pretty amazing. Everything's coming up Asian, y'all. <laughs> L.A. and um, Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. This is also coming off the heels of other casting news too. Um, Freeform's um, Asian BB Girl. Also announced yes. um, its primary cast, um, Kathy Bui, Lin Kim Do, and Giselle Villanueva, uh, which uh, Asian Baby Girl is the um, Kai Wu um, showrun project with um, Din Tai attached to direct as well about um, Asian baby girls from, they say Little Saigon in Orange County, which is, that's Westminster, right? Yes. It's the, well, it's the OC. And, you know, this is a project that we've also had our eyes on. Um, and it's I think it's great to see that they're they're casting. I don't I don't know if you've seen um, the casting pictures on from Variety on this, too. But it's also very like they chose like the hardest <laughs> pictures for these girls, which some of them are not that hard. <laughs> uh, you know, look. For me, I'm always excited to see more Vietnamese people. <laughs> so <laughs> this this at least has a few. So uh, yeah, yeah, and and uh, like I guess I get to learn about this this period of uh, this type of person who maybe was like after my time <laughs> in high school. <laughs> that so I wasn't really paying attention. So yeah, I mean Asian baby girl culture is what like late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, but I think it's said that this show's set in contemporary time. Oh, is it? Is it? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Exciting times for, you know, it kind of felt like we were in like a drought of like Asian projects recently, right? Like, what are you talking about, Marvel? We got like three really amazing shit in March. We got everything everywhere all at once. We got turning red and we got. Um, I mean, in terms of TV shows, though, yeah. right? Remember, like, in like 2018, 2019, we had like two or three family sitcoms. We had tons of stuff in the making, um, like three reality shows. Uh, and then I think people what happened was people realized, you know, they were trying to do all clones of crazy rich Asians. And so they like greenlit a whole bunch of stuff and then like they sort of fell away. And so I think they're, that's that little fallow time that you're talking about. Yes. Um, yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah so, but I'm glad that. You know, these two projects that we mentioned seem like shows with like some meat on it, like some substance, you know, they're not trying to be like 
Right. Um, it's not based on a formula. It's not yeah. based on an expectation of this is what an Asian thing is. Uh, the, each of them are sort of unique stories in and of themselves, even though th- the word gangster comes up. <laughs> but yeah, they're, I, they couldn't be more wildly different, I feel, uh, an Asian baby girl. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. I will keep an eye on these. Yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Um, lots of good stuff coming up. Excited for uh, excited for the retirement era of um, Just Ju's entertainment career. <laughs> She's going to be more unhinged than ever. <laughs> I think Jess mentioned this, but uh, she's going to take a brief hiatus from the podcast. Um, I'm like BTS. <laughs> I need to go on oh, hiatus. No. Um, Jess, you're, you're, you're going to go gallivanting around the globe for a while. Yeah, I will send you beautiful pictures of all the places I'm staying and all the delicious food I'm eating. <laughs> and y'all can get jealous. I yeah. will be. I still haven't traveled. Mm. At least Marvin, you've been out. <laughs> out of the city, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it counts. Well, we're, we're almost there. Actually, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> no, Who knows? no, no, no. Squash that. Squash that hope, Marvin. <laughs> All right. Hello. Um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, um, where can they go? You can read my trash takes on Twitter at Just You Tweets. Oh, and I am at Hanonymous. Sorry. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, Han and I will be holding it down next week uh, on the Good Pop Culture Club. So um, we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. I'll see you later. <laughs> Have a good trip. Peace. Podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.